It is Wednesday, July 12th. I'm Scott Sattenberg. And I'm AJ Hoffman. The National League breaks the streak. And it goes under. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. National League wins for the first time since 2012. That is the Vegas lead, AJ. The Major League Baseball All-Star Game last night. The National League, a 3-2 win over the American League. Sounds like under 7.5, Scott. Elias Diaz with a two-run home run that helped the National League win. He was your most valuable player. And yes, the first win since 2012 for the senior circuit. Nine straight wins for the AL prior to last night. The National League breaking that streak. You mentioned the game going under. 15 of the last 19 All-Star games have gone under. Six of the last seven. And the no-run first inning. The Nerfie has now hit in six straight All-Star games. Pretty simple, right? Yeah, it seems like it's like free money, right? Yeah, just just bet the <laughs> just bet the under, bet the nerfy, and then well, prior to last night, it was bet the American League. But sharp money came in on the National League. The National League was a pick that we gave out yesterday morning. We said, hey, you know, if we had to pick a side, it would be the National League. Lineups better. All these missing players for the American League replacements here, there, whatever. And the line went from even money because the American League was minus one twenty favorites, and it was even on the National League. National League actually closed as the favorite, about minus 115, uh, according to most books. So a lot of sharp money came in on the National League to win last night, and it, it's it's not like it was easy. This was a early one nothing lead for the American League in the second inning, a Yandy Diaz home run. The NL tied it in the top of the fourth, uh, top of the fourth, Luis Arise. Who was two for two? I mean, shocker, shocker. The guy that's batting four hundred is, uh, you know, goes two for two in the All Star game. Uh, he drives in a run, and then in the bottom of the sixth inning, Bo Bichette gave the American League the two one lead on the sack fly. But in the top of the eighth inning, Elias Diaz, the All Star for the Colorado Rockies, and you're like, what? The Colorado Rockies. <laughs> Facing Felix Bautista, yeah, not King Felix. Felix Bautista, who's given up five earned runs this season mm-hmm. total. Two run <laughs> home run as the National League takes the three two lead. Think about that. Uh, Felix Bautista has faced 165 batters this season and allowed three home runs. Mm -hmm. He's allowed 30 total bases on the season, and he gives up a two-run homer that loses the All-Star game. Yep, Nick Nick Castellano walked to lead off the inning, and then he got to second on a wild pitch. Diaz, who was pinch hitting for Jorge Soler, gets the home run to score Nick Castellanos. 3-2, 3-2, the NL did not look back. Uh, Josh Hader pitched, pitched the uh, eighth, bottom of the eighth for the NL, and then Craig Kimbrell closed it out. But it got exciting. Bottom of the ninth inning, 
After two quick outs, Kyle Tucker walks, and Julio Rodriguez was brought to the plate. The crowd went wild. Could this be the storybook ending for the hometown hero? Well, Julio walks, and then Jose Ramirez comes up, and he strikes out swinging. So Kimbrell gets the job done. The win gets credited to Camille Doval of the San Francisco Giants. That's a made-up all-star. Bautista gets the loss. Bautista with the catch! Bautista with the loss. If you know where that's from, I mean, come on. And Craig Kimbrell gets the save. So congratulations, NL All-Star game. That was fun. Uh, I hate the uniforms. I wish they would go back to the old way where you just wore your your team's uniform. Yeah, I would like that better, too. Uh, like, one team wears their home jerseys, one and team wears the road One jerseys. team wears the whites, the other team wears the grays. Not that Simple hard. as that. And then everybody gets to showcase what team you play for. Because with these jerseys, you have no idea who anybody plays for. It does, and and they're ugly. Like the blue on the black, like blue jerseys with black pants. That's just like call the fashion police, Mackenzie. Like that's just terrible. Uh, I, I I hate it. I I used to like when the all like it was cool. They unveiled the all star jerseys, and they would sell them, and it's cool. But the all star jerseys were worn for the home run derby, and for batting practice. Yep. And that's it. And then you would wear your regular team jersey for the actual all-star game and the image of seeing both teams lined up on the foul line for the starting lineups and the national anthem where you can see every player in all the different jerseys beautiful picturesque this crap nope no thanks i also don't like the hats that everybody's got the same color hat yeah. Like, just wear your normal team hat and no. put an all-star patch on it. Whole thing was terrible uh, as far as the jerseys. I, I hated it, but it was an entertaining game. I mean, I was kind of hoping that it would be tied and we would get to that three-on-three home run derby for the, the tiebreaker. Yeah. But, nah, it, it didn't happen. Uh, it, th- that was what I was rooting for, but then I also was rooting for Jose Ramirez, uh, uh, Julio Rodriguez, excuse me, to hit a, the walk-off home run and win the game. Because it just the whole stadium would have gone insane, and we had an that. overturned home run. Yes, yeah, uh, Guriel homered that tied the game at two. Would have been two two, but it got called back on review. They said it was a foul ball. Reviewing during the All Star game. Yeah. Mm, all right. I mean, it was a foul ball. I mean, yeah, got, but it's just it's right. crazy that yeah. like they would review it uh, when it doesn't really mean anything. Yeah, they got the called call. it a home run on the field. You'd just say, "Oh, okay, well, it's a home run." Well, imagine if they did like you know. Well, they won the game anyway. But imagine if like they won the game be- after that, and all the sports books were like bad beat refund because it was actually that's what it would have to be that's what it would have to be back that's what it would have to be (laughs) all right so now the home run derby's over the all-star game is over when do we get back to regular business friday league baseball friday we have uh today off we have tomorrow off and then the second half will begin on friday now we do have some numbers on the first half of the season. Talked about this on the Dream Pod when we recorded it last night, but I have Major League Baseball released some stats on how the rule changes have affected the first half of the season. And I want to read a couple of things here. And the rule changes being the pitch clock, the disengagements from the rubber, also the bigger bases. And what we have seen is, let's start with pace of play. Last year, three hours and four minutes. This year, two hours and 38 minutes. I love it. Nine inning games have been 26 minutes shorter 
than in 2022, 32 minutes shorter than the peak in 2021. There is a year-over-year decline in game time, 28 minutes, obviously. And what's interesting about the pace of play is you talk about the pitch clock. Well, how is it affecting these pitchers? Well, on average, pitchers are beginning their deliveries with 6.6 to 7.9 seconds left on the clock. So that shows that pitchers have plenty of time to execute. And the pitch timer violations have decreased as the season has progressed. This season, there uh, if you look at how the players have adjusted, it has decreased, right? 60% of the games this year, though, have had zero violations. So it's not like there's so many violations this this year. Only 12% of games have featured multiple violations. Now, what does this mean for the offenses? Well, last year, the average runs per game, 8.6. This year, 9.2. There's been more runs per game this season. Uh, and that's despite the batting average only going up a little bit. to last year, 0.243. I think a reason for that is because the stolen base numbers have gone up. Last year, 1.4 attempts per game. This year, 1.8 attempts per game. That's the highest since 2012. And the success rate on stolen bases this year, it's the highest in baseball history. So guys have been taken off. They've been safe. And that is leading to more scoring as opposed to the average leading to more scoring. Because the hits are only going up a little bit. But instead of a hit bringing a runner from first to third, that runner that's on first is stealing second. And then that single is getting them home from second. So the same amount of hits, but more runs are being scored. And I attribute that directly to the stolen bases. Batting average on balls in play. You want to talk about the shift? lefties have seen an increase on ground balls and line drives pulled to the to the to the right side 40 point increase on ground balls 33% increase on line drives batting average on balls in play that's huge the babbit for a left-handed hitter last year 283 this year 297 so the shift is leading to more success for lefties. Now, what does this all mean for Major League Baseball? Well, games are shorter. People are probably enjoying that more, right? Yeah. And yes, they are. Attendance is up 8.1%. Any jump above 5% would be the highest growth rate since 2004. Wow. That's excluding the COVID years, right? 8.1% attendance is up from last year. 23 teams have had positive growth. 12 teams are up 10% over last year. June attendance, highest since 2017. And in June, MLB had four weekends in a row, over 1.5 million fans, first time that happened since 2017. Attendance is up. I bet ratings are up too. People are loving a quicker game. All these rule changes that people might have not been on board with from the get-go, it's all working for Major League Baseball. I I mean, again, if it's not already massively up, I think it's going to be a slow build-up because it, everything that they're doing is right right now. Like, shortening the games, 
I mean, making more offense. Like people are into this. Making the game like just the the less downtime. It's just a it's a better product right now. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. How's your social battery right now, AJ? I know sometimes I get drained, and it could be easy to ignore your social battery and just spread yourself too thin, you know, especially when it comes to social gatherings and maybe just things you're not in the mood for. Well, do you know the right amount of socializing you need to do to keep yourself balanced? Therapy can give you that self-awareness and you can build basically your routine that reflects what you need personally. Everybody's different in this way. That was a big driver for me when I was in therapy. I got a lot out of it and it's so easy here Give BetterHelp a try if you've said, I don't want to go out of my way to do this. It's all online. It's as convenient as can be, and it's suited to you. It's simple. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Vegas today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Vegas. AJ, It's important to me that the supplements that I take every single day are of the highest quality. And that's why ever since they jumped the board as a sponsor with us, I've been drinking AG1. Because for AG1, quality isn't just a buzzword. AG1's ingredients are heavily researched for efficacy and quality. And I love that every scoop has prebiotics, probiotics, digestive enzymes for my gut support, B vitamins for energy. It's got the magnesium and ashwagandha for stress support, also testosterone support, vitamin C and zinc to support my immune system. I don't get sick anymore. Well, you're welcome for introducing you to AG1. Yeah, but uh, I mean, this stuff is incredible. And so many people have asked me, are you just reading commercials? No, man. AG1 is actually legit. And there's a reason why I drink it every single day. It just makes taking care of my health so much easier in general. So if you want to replace your multivitamin and more, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 plus K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first subscription at drinkag1.com slash SOV. That's drinkag1.com slash SOV. Check it out. Let's continue the Major League Baseball discussion. Joining us this morning, our favorite, the only two-time winner of the Super Contest, Mr. Steve Fezzik. Good morning, Fez. I was told there would be pizza this morning. Instead, I just see three-day-old Cheetos and pretzels. You took you took my Cheetos. You didn't you didn't want to let me have the Cheetos. I'm looking out for you as as your friend. But I was cheating. I want you to be all you can be. Cheating on the diet with the Cheetos, hence the name Cheetos. You're allowed to cheat with Cheetos. No, AJ? I don't think so. No? I don't think that works. But I burned a ton I'm not of calories judge. yesterday. I'm not here to judge. I, I thought you, instead of cheating on eights and nines, you wind up cheating on zeros if you keep eating them. That's the only person that's going to cheat with you. <laughs> I'm doing all right. I'm, I'm, I'm like averaging burning like 3,000 3, calories a day. I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay. My caloric intake versus what I'm burning, I'm doing pretty well. That's good. Doing all right. Doing all right. But that's not the reason why we have you here, Fez. But if you do want to talk food, I had really good pizza last week. You had Rebellion Pizza. Rebellion Pizza. Yeah, it's really good. And I said, it's by you. And, and you got I, the wrestling loop going on the TV there. I did not. I, I was not in there. Yeah, Rebellion Pizza. Somebody picked it up, brought it to me. I had it. And I got to say, I think it's the best I've had since I've been in town. Yeah, it's, real, it's really good. It's an Anthem Village right there. I've Just take Eastern and keep going south. And... It's right up there. It's really good. That's your favorite spot? Uh, 
I'd say Rebellion, Pizza Rock, Brooklyn's Best would be my top three. I love Pizza Rock. And I, I think I love Pizza Rock so much because you can go five days in a row. I and have a different have, thing every time. But have yeah. a different they kind have, of pizza. They have a good extension Like, there is menu. something strong to that. Like, like, like have, I, have the, I have the Chicago Cracker pizza, the thin crust, yeah. which is probably your least favorite. You probably like the Detroit. I love Detroit style yeah. there. Yeah. I, I mean, I like a good doughy yes. pizza. Yes. Uh, Detroit's but I, good, but I like mm-hmm. the Sicilians. Like I, I there's they, they, you can do something different every time. Scott gets his pies comped, yes, uh, more often than he, he'd yeah. like. Yeah, yep. Almost, tell- got, almost got another comp last week too. Almost. What yeah, happened? I left. I left too angry to talk to somebody. You lost. What was the hand? I lost two doubles in a row. What were the hands? I had eleven and ten mm. against five and six. Oh, well, two hands in a row. Two ways to win. Spike and I lost. 10 I lost or bust. No, dealer had an eighteen on the first time. Dealer had a seventeen on the second oh, time. I couldn't and I get lost. anything. I lost both times, and I, I and I walked out. I took my ball and I went home, Fez. I took my ball and I went home. Tell me you didn't walk away with a, on a positive count. You waited for the shuffle at least, or did you run out of? Money? I ran out. No, no, no. I just <gasps> well, I took Fez. I took my ball and I went home on a plus five count. It was plus five before the first double hand. No, it was and plus obviously, six, actually. And, and obviously, the, since you're not spiking tens, it's not going any higher. Well, I shame took, on you. Fez, I took my ball, AJ and would, I went home. AJ would have fired away some more. And try to, and try to make it money. to the end of the, until I didn't have a positive count anymore. Or you run yeah. out of money. Well, yeah. he's got a little more emotional discipline than I do. <laughs> I, I, I was, you know, I stood up, and I expletive, and then left. So I wasn't going to ask for my Pizza Rock comp. Yeah. <laughs> You can still do it. Yeah. Pizza, pizza Rock got, is up you got, there. You got seventy-two hours. Yeah, <laughs> there is a place close to my house called Sunset Pizzeria. Have you guys tried this? Ooh. Nope. It is very good, right off Boulder Highway. There's a place way on the opposite end of the valley from me called Amano, that does like uh, I heard about that place. pizza babies. Mm-hmm. Like they do like what's the pizza place across the street from um, on Water Street? Uh, well, there's Water Street Pizza and there's Fratelli's. Well, I'm talking Water Street Pizza with the cauliflower crust. I think yep. it's good. Yeah. Yep. And then there's a place inside the Cosmo called oh, Secret Pizza. I've been pizza. there. I've been Secret Pizza. It's, it's overrated. Yeah. I don't think so. I think it's yeah. very good. Nah, it's overrated. Right. Evil Pie. In, oh, Evil Pie Evil is Pie good. downtown's better than Secret Evil pizza. Pie is very good too. I, I forgot I can about vouch that. for Evil Pie. Yeah. Yes. But I've also never had Evil Pie not wasted. Same. So, but I Evil don't think pie. anybody there has had it sober. There is a place in Austin, Texas that is on 6th Street. I don't even know what it's called. It's been there forever. I, my wife and I both just call it Drunk Pizza. <laughs> because you only drink it when you're yeah. wasted. Yeah. The irony is our water, I've told her our water sucks. It has the wrong minerals, like from Lake Mead. To that's what everybody pizza. says New York. Like, that's how their pizzas. Chicago and so, New York yeah. are better because yeah, the water is better. So York water. I think Brooklyn's best, like, literally, like, imports their own minerals and water everyone, or crust. Ev- everyone to make it work. says that. It's not true. I don't they, think everyone claims yes. it. There was a place uh, when I was living in L.A. I think it's a chain. It was like it was called Brooklyn Water Bagel. And they were like, we import our water so we can make the bagels Brooklyn style. I'm like, no, you don't. Well, you can't. <laughs> yeah, but you can imagine it would be like if we did. <laughs> but you, but you, can Im- you can import the crust. That is, that you is, can. Yeah. Sure. But then but it's then not going to be fresh. fresh. Yeah, no, but what, I think what they do is like some people do get like mineral packs and try yes. and put it in the water and manipulate and you know 
change the, the flavor and stuff mm-hmm. like that. McKenzie, I want to ask you about a place, this Taste of Chicago that's kind of uh, by our office over here. Oh, it's terrible. They use, I think it's ketchup that they put on the top oh, of the pizza. Oh, no. What Amore if, de Chicago, it's one of the worst renditions of Chicago pizza I've ever seen. What that's about, there's, there's another Chicago but, but place. But it is a off. deep dish. Yes, yeah. they have deep-dish and thin crust, as Chicagoans generally what, do. What, Scott, what is it? Rosati's is pretty good. Rosati's does deep-dish, and it's very good. What? There's another, uh, like, Chicago place. Um, What's the, yeah, it's on the, it's on the, the horseshoe, Old Bally's has one. Yeah. Gear, Giordano's. Giordano's. Yeah. I think that one. That's is the, the classic way. from, actually, Chicago, yes. but I haven't tried the one here, no. Mackenzie, that's, like, obviously knows Giordano's. Yeah, yeah, I had one three blocks from me growing up. There you go. But it's good better. to know that the uh, the place here is is no good. I'll steer clear. Mackenzie, much better than Gino's East, right? You go Giordano's, right? So two fine establishments. I don't know. Pequod's mm. though, number one restaurant in Chicago. Pequod's Pizza. Now, Thanks. Mac, do you like the Chicago style, the cracker style, or the deep dish? You mean pizza pot pie? Yes, That's pizza what I casserole. Call I call it pizza pot. You don't pie. like that? No, I like I the do. deep dish. It's not really pizza though. Like if you're going it's to a like pizza lasagna. party, that's what I said. It's, it's a pizza different pot kind of pie. thing. I do like the tavern style, regular flat, thin crust pizza. Like you know, I like both. I, I don't know that there's a kind of pizza that I'm just like out on. I don't like that. When I, you live in like Chicago and it's ten degrees, you like you like the casserole, the big hearty comfort food pizza. Yeah, it's like when you're so cold outside, it helps warm you. Well, I now, like. Well, that. now I want one of those. I do too. Uh, it's too early in the morning, I think, to get it ordered. But All right, we'll, we'll, we'll survive. Let, let's get into the reason why we wanted to have you here, Fez, and that is the Major League Baseball All Star Break. At this point, now it's time to assess the first half and then bet second halves. When it comes to win totals, what are you looking for during this time period of the All Star Break, where we don't have games for the next for tonight and tomorrow? What are you looking for to place your second half bets? I want a team that I feel the last month of their their quality of play is indicative of how they're going to be the rest of the year. And it's misleading versus their preseason expectations or how they might have been playing in April. So, example, this would be a best bet, two best bets. One of them's AJ's um, Angels. The Angels were playing like a playoff team for a good part of the year. Yeah. AJ, things have changed for the Angels. Yeah. I mean, there's things have changed dramatically. Mike Trout got hurt. We don't know how long he's going to be out. Shohei Otani's future is questionable at best. They 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 really they should trade him. Yeah, there's almost no way that things get better for the Angels in the second half than they were in the first half. So preseason expectations: the Angels' season win number was 83, slightly above 500. As they say in Ruthless People, when um, Danny DeVito, um, his wife gets kidnapped. And he says they, the kidnapper said they would kill her if things went wrong at all. Well, they couldn't have gone much more wrong than they have. No. <laughs> so she's going to turn up dead. Um, the Angels are dead. And they're still at 80 and a half. You can get that at DraftKings. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really good under. Uh, another team, Kansas City. You know what? Kansas City played okay in April. Since then, they've been w- the worst team by margin than any other team, even Oakland. Way worse than any other team. There is They, won, they played two good games against the Dodgers. The rest of May and June, they absolutely, in July, they stink. They're not going to win 50 games, and they're 53 and a half at Caesars. That's a really good bet. Yeah, 53 and a half. I'm seeing at DraftKings as well for the Kansas City Royals. I would agree with that. I think, and I think when it comes to these bad teams, uh, when it gets to September call up time, they're going to be playing a lot of guys that are. Just up from the minors. It's late September, they're and trying I really to, should be calling up my kids. They're trying Bad to story. figure out what they have for the future. 
Plus, anybody that's worth anything is going to be attempted to be poached by another team. The Royals already traded all the Chapman to the Rangers. I'm sure they're not done selling off some pieces. Right. And so you have a, you have a team that's going to, not just the Royals, I'm saying any bad team, that's going to sell off their best pieces. And in September, they're not trying to win. They're calling up, the, they're bringing up the youngsters. So I, I think that betting against bad teams is, is something that is going to be profitable here down the stretch of the Major League Baseball season. Yes, the extra wild card does keep more teams involved and more teams think they have a chance, but teams that don't have a chance, Tigers, Royals, A's, White Sox most likely, Colorado. Pirates, Colorado, Nationals, Cardinals, all those teams not in the mix. They'll either be sellers or they'll be calling up kids. I would ask you to be a little cautious with the Pirates because the Pirates are, have actually exceeded expectations. I know, I, I get it. They were 10 games above 500 and they are not a good team, but they're playing with enthusiasm. So they're still trying hard, as are the Tigers for whatever reason when I watch them. Whereas teams like Too far Col- out, though. Colorado just end the season. You know, they, there's no excitement whatsoever. Even the Washington god-awful Nats, they're only supposed to win 59 games, and they're on pace to win 64. I'm always a little cautious about the really bad team that has been playing better than mm-hmm. they thought they should play. Yeah. I'd much rather play the really bad team that's actually playing a little worse than they were supposed to play, and they were supposed to play terrible. I'll, oh, suppo- I was going to say, what about, I mean, what about the St. Louis Cardinals, who were supposed to not be terrible? Oh, but if- and, and I love fading contenders that are complete garbage. So St. Louis would absolutely qualify, and soon, soon, the Padres and the Mets may well qualify as well. Mm, we'll the, see. Yeah, I, I'm sure. It, it, once we get to the trade deadline, we'll learn more about these teams. The Cardinals, for sure, I think they're a fade because I think the Cardinals are going to be sellers. I think Nolan Arenado probably gets traded, maybe one of their pitchers. The the thing with the Cardinals, it's so baffling. They have a top-five offense in Major League Baseball, yet they stink. They stink. They absolutely stink. But I think that Arenado could be on the move. Oh, the White Sox are another team that, like, they just end the season. Yeah, White Sox stink. Um, The Padres are intriguing. They're six games out of a wild-card spot. It's one good week. Look at that lineup. It's too good. And the pitching's coming around. Blake Snell's pitching better than anybody in the world right now. If they they if they go 9-1 and one during a 10-game stretch and they find themselves two games out of a wild-card spot, then all of a sudden you're like, well, you know what? Padres might be buyers or the Padres are going to be going for it. I think that would be a buy-low team right now just because their lineup is just way too good to be this bad. Like, looking at... 43 and 47 doesn't make sense. Their their lineup is is just so much better than that. I well the top the top 5 is. Yes. Yeah. I would agree. Um and then you still have division races that are going to be heating up. I think the Guardians and Twins, the two team race for the Central. I like the Twins over the Guardians in that one. Both because, teams are like lined at 82. It, it sure yeah. seems like they're both going to go over because they're going to go for it because yeah. they can win the division. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be like an 83 or 84. It's going to win that Just division. Just barely going to get Just there. barely going to yes. be going over. Because they're going to sweep Kansas City. Yeah. The race in the West is tight. The Rangers and Astros. I Honestly, I think the Astros are the play. I, I, I think the Rangers are so good, and maybe they make another move. But the Astros will get healthier. And as they get healthier, they'll be more dangerous. Mm-hmm. Plus, they have postseason experience, and the Astros kind of remind me right now about they, they kind of remind me of like the Golden State Warriors 
Hmm. Where like they've been to the World Series so many times in in the past couple of years, including winning it last year. It's hard to bet against them. Not just that, it's that they know that they can kind of, you know, ease up right now in the regular season. Kind of like kind of like the Lakers with Le- but well, kind of come, like LeBron in Cleveland. Come August like, and yeah. September, you start turning it on. You start mm-hmm. turning it on. The the switch is flipped. So they're just hovering right now. They're 50 and 41. They're two games out of first place. But it wouldn't surprise me if, like, the Astros have the best record in baseball in the month of August. Got- I'm not talking about, like, they, they have the best record. I'm saying just in August. Like, watch them go, like, 26 and, you know, four. Yeah. You know, you know something I, like I, that. I entered that Westgate <laughs> Super Contest, and I got the Astros under. And my tiebreaker, I got them to win 92 games mm-hmm. pretty much. Like, I think under 95 and a half or 96 and a half was the number. And I'm on pace to like, I'm gonna have a good year. Right? I'm gonna be in contention. And I'm like, but it's not great. It's like, like I'm gonna go like, you know, uh, twenty and ten. And I'm like, I, g- I gotta win the tiebreak. Yeah. <laughs> if I uh, want money, I've g- I'm gonna have to get these Astros to go under and land right on that number and and get into a tie, like a three way tie, and and win with a tiebreaker. In the West, uh, in the NL, I think the Dodgers are gonna pull away. I think the I think the Diamondbacks had an incredible first half. I can see them fading. I can see I the agree. Diamondbacks fading and the Dodgers pulling away. Well, especially, I mean, I think there's a better than there's certainly a better than zero percent chance that Corbin Carroll gets shut down at some point. Yeah, and the Dodgers will be buyers. Yeah, you know that Dodgers will be buyers. And the Dodgers can buy more than Arizona. Another Absolutely. team that's sailing along like Houston. It's like, oh, whenever we want to win, we can do we'll it. We'll turn it on. Well, you look also um, at the farm system rankings, right? Fangraphs has uh, farm system rankings in Major League Baseball. And so you're saying, oh, who can make a deal? Arizona actually has the number two ranked farm system in all of Major League Baseball. So they have assets to trade. But all of their assets are at the Major League level already. But Arizona is not a team that would mortgage the future for now. They're a team that sees that top-rated farm system and is like, we're building, we're building, we're building. The Dodgers have the number four ranked farm system in all of Major League Baseball. And the Dodgers... Much like, you know, like the Yankees were in the past. They're like, great, we've built up this farm system. Now we're going to ship these boys out and get some high-priced talent that's going to help us win right now. Yep. It's going to help us win right now. So if you're looking at teams that could be making big splashes, Dodgers, number four-ranked farm system in baseball. The Mets, the number sixth-ranked farm system in baseball. The Mets are dicey because the Mets might they're one five-game losing streak away from saying just end the season. Man. They're also a five-game winning streak away from trying to trade for Shohei Otani. That's true. That's true. But the, Do- the, Do- the Dodgers, you know, I think their season win number was like 92 and a half or the last time I checked, and I was like, they're going to win 95. They always do. Yeah, but I think, the Do- I think the Dodgers will pull away, and I do think the Reds do too. I think the Cincinnati That's Reds. interesting. No pitching. But the Reds have the number three-ranked farm system in all of baseball, which doesn't necessarily mean trade. But it could mean call-ups. It does seem like teams like the Reds that weren't supposed to contend that are having that great year never seem to mortgage the future at all. You know, for you know, they're, they're like you said, like they the Reds would be perfectly fine just missing out on the playoffs. And they're like we had a great year, and we and we'll done. hope that it's better next year. That's right, and it probably won't be. Mm-hmm. But that's what like you know. So speaking of next year, you want to make a bet for next year, Fez, twenty twenty four, Pirates to win the NL Central. I would like Ooh. to bet no. Twenty twenty four. I would bet no as well. <laughs> I mean, I think what, Paul. What, what, I think Paul Skeens pitches at the major league level next year. O'Neill Cruz comes back healthy. 
I think this team is right. Is okay. Uh, so that you, you get those. You get those two young guys. I'm yeah. not going to take advantage of you. I'll give you a 77. You can go over 77. For next year's Pirates team? Yeah, of course. Mm. You said they're going to win the division. Yeah, I would go over 77. There we go. That's uh, we're, we're, we're betting. Yeah. We're betting. Um, 2024. We're betting some some crappy deep dish Vegas pizza. There we go. I want yeah. to go to Giordano's. I do not want I, to go to this Taste of Amore place. You don't want to go to what is it? What's it? Papa Murphy's? Is that the thing? That that where the, you, that's where you make your own. You bake your own pizza at home. Like you get it. It's a, a restaurant that sells frozen pizza. Yeah, it's is like that a, real? What it is? Yeah. I you no go idea. in and you buy a frozen pizza, you take it home and put it in the oven. No, I've pizza. never seen that. No, it's crazy. I've never been in there. Sparrow is the worst pizza. Sparrow is not the worst pizza I've ever had. Sparrow really? is Michael Scott's favorite New York pizza. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Sparrow, uh, listen. There's a lot of there's a lot of options when you're in the food court of a mall. Sparrow is far from the worst. I can tell you that. Really? I can tell you that. What is the worst? Uh, a hot dog place is the worst. If there's a hot dog place in the mall, that's the worst option. I agree. Second option is, and I love Philly cheesesteaks, but any Philly cheesesteak place in a mall, bad news. Do not eat it. No, there's the one that Capriati's has. Capriati's is good cheesesteaks. Yeah, they make it yeah. fresh. Okay. And there's one in Capriati's Green Valley a, Food Capriati's court. is a sandwich shop. Yeah. yeah. Like it's, I mean, it's a. Legit. It's not mall food. No, it's Jersey Mike's. Yeah. Legit. And then every mall now has two Chinese food places. But because one's the, a Panda Express, though that doesn't count. No, usually one of them they call a Cajun restaurant, even though or a walk and roll. It's not. It's absolutely not Cajun food. It's just another Chinese food place. But the mall rules say you can only have one Chinese food place. So the second Chinese food place calls himself Cajun food. It's not Cajun food. I don't know why they do that. But I, I digress. Sparrow's not the worst option. Okay. Not the worst. We started. It's, we, it's a five. We started with food. We ended with food, and now everyone's hungry. Thanks, Fez. Thanks, guys. We got some rule changes coming to the upcoming NBA season. The Board of Governors yesterday approved two rule changes that will go into effect. We have our NBA expert, Mackenzie Rivers, with us here on SOV. Mac, let me get your thoughts on both of these. The first one, I don't think we're going to, you know, feel one way or the other. That's just an added challenge. If you are a successful, if you have a successful challenge, your first challenge, you get another one. Guys, we see this like this happens yeah. all the time. Like in the NFL, you get two challenges. If you're successful on both, you get a third. Like I think this is a good rule change for the NBA. If you're right on a challenge, you shouldn't, you shouldn't have to lose it. Is it true? If you don't use it, you lose it. Uh, I think that's a good rule change. Now, this one is the one that everybody's talking about. They call it the LeBron rule. No, that's, that's not what they're calling it. That's what I'm calling it. Anyway, it's a flopping penalty. Uh-oh. Yes. This is interesting. The flopping is going to now be charged as a non-unsportsmanlike technical foul on the team. The opposing team will get a free throw, free throw if a flop is called. The refs also do not have to stop play to call a flop. They can wait until the next stop in live action to make a call. Possession will not change. Flopping violations cannot be reviewed by a coach's challenge, but they can be added to a call during a review of a different play. So think about this. You get called for a foul. Your coach challenges it. Replay shows you never touched the guy. He flopped. Well, not only upon review are we going to say, hey, no foul, but now 
We're going to call flop, and you're going to get a free throw. Oh, and by the way, you get an extra challenge because you got it right. <laughs> Mac, what do you think about this? In theory, it's great. I would like to see less flopping in the NBA. I'd like to see a more accurately called game. However, and I had to look this up because I don't even remember when they, uh, they started this rule. 2012, they started finding people for flopping. I haven't heard of anyone getting fined in five years. It's, <laughs> it was a rule that they came up with that no players ever felt was – they were always aggrieved if they ever got fined. They never, they never felt it was fair. And because of that, the NBA that kowtows to its players as much as possible, Adam Silver is at least known to be that, just stopped calling the rule. So now that it's going to be on the court penalties, maybe we'll see a change in behavior. But I, I, I think they're looking in the wrong direction. I think you have to put the onus on the referees to call the game accurately, let people fall to the ground and just shrug your shoulders because you're there to interpret the contact of, as whether or not it's illegal or not. And I feel like as, until they highly value referees that call the game correctly, a.k.a. not Scott Foster <laughs> – they're they're gonna they're, this is this is putting a lipstick on a ba uh, lipstick on a bandaid or a bandaid on a, on a Lips, pig's, pig's lipstick lips. on a pig. There that's you the go. Term. Yeah, that's, that's what it is. All right, I don't know if there's gonna be odds on this. If I was a fun sports book, I would make odds on this first player to get called for a flop because right now I would Jordan set, Poole. I would set the line. Oh, that's a good. I didn't think about that. <laughs> I would set the line at James Harden to be the first player to be called for a flop, and it's not because. He falls and pretends like he got, you know, like, oh, I took a charge or whatever. But he goes up for shots and tries to draw contact and gets frustrated and thinks that he is fouled on every shot he takes. And yeah. I think that flopping doesn't necessarily, in my opinion, doesn't necessarily have to be like overselling a fake call. It's complete, but two to, completely but different I things. think flopping should also be like complaining too much about a non-call. Yeah, there's what James Harden does, which is go up in an awkward way and try to bump into people, and then once you feel that contact, kind of exaggerate it. And then there's what Dwayne Wade and LeBron James have done, and I love Dwayne Wade to death, but sometimes they just invent things. They just say, hey, what if I did this? I bet it's going to look like I got, I got fouled. Like and when a player reaches in to smack the basketball and you hold your and, eye. Yeah, they hold their yeah. eye and their head goes back. <laughs> yeah. And it's like that was just an invention. Like you thought of that 30 Patrick seconds ago. Patrick Beverly or somebody like There's that. There's some bad examples, and I would love to see for the NBA to regulate it. But I feel like it's going to be you, way too much gray area. They're not going to be able to actually figure it out. The, this is what it is. When a guy does, does the swinging with the basketball right. and the player goes, ooh. Like elbow in my and, eye and pretends they got elbowed in the face, <laughs> and then replay, and then they call the player for the the what they call swing the, through, the, the yeah. swing through the foul that they call. But then the replay shows that they never actually made contact with the player's face. That that's the flopping call. They're trying something new. I'll give them credit for that. I, I don't think it's going to actually help. Do you think now NBA teams are going to have to like step up their replay teams, like step up their efforts to have somebody be like, because we get an, if you're successful on a challenge, you get an extra one, but also. You could challenge and get the other team called for a flop instead. Whereas instead of them shooting two free throws because you get called for a foul, yeah. you're shooting one free throw because they get called for a flop. That's true. There's an extra incentive for the fact that you could be on defense and suddenly be shooting free throws because the offensive player flopped is uh, definitely something that the they'll put investment in. Mac, while we've got you, I want to talk some summer league stuff with you. And we got news that... Now, when Binyama's shut down, we already knew Scoot Henderson was shut down. Now, Chet Holmgren is shut down. And Bummer. I found it interesting because if you looked at the top four in the Summer League MVP odds coming into this season, 
it was Wimby, mm-hmm. Scoot, Holmgren, Brandon Miller. Oh, so the top three picks and Chet Holmgren. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and if you want to go even further, Eamon Thompson yeah, was the fifth, be the fifth guy. guy. Yeah. So he's also shut down. So here's what we've seen of those five guys: two, Eamon Thompson and Scoot Henderson have been shut down with injury. Two, Chet Holmgren and Victor Wimbanyama have basically shown their teams enough and the the team said we don't want to risk any injury so we're shutting them down that leaves one guy brandon miller who's still playing and is playing so poorly he's got no chance to be the mvp i don't know that we've i I, we certainly haven't found a way to to point out who's going to win the summer league mvp but this is not something new these top tier prospects are not winning the Summer League MVP because they're not getting enough run. Yeah, we've had 16 years of Summer League Vegas proper. Only seven times has a top five pick actually gone on and win it. Lonzo Ball was the last one. And this year's a perfect example. There's no way any of these top five favorites were going to win it. They were always going to be precautionary with Holmgren if he was good. Same thing with Wembenyama. Miller, they're letting them play. I wouldn't even be surprised if they shut down Miller after he had a decent game on Tuesday. So how are we going to win? It's a little bit tougher. Uh, you want someone that's going to actually win the ter- tournament because it is a vote. You want to be there for the weekend when the voters are all there in the championship game. And you and you want to pick a guy that's not necessarily guaranteed to make a roster. Because when you're guaranteed to make a roster, you're an asset that they want to protect. But Cavante George, hey, you were 30-1, to 1, now you're plus 300. That's the kind of guy you want to look at. Yeah, what do you have, a 33-point performance the other day? Yeah. So, yeah, you want and you want guys that are going to shoot. Guys that are trying to make a team, like you said, and they're just going to keep shooting, keep chucking the ball. Up. I mean, this this makes some sense to me. Like I said, I, I, we haven't figured out a way to, to pick the winner. We do know a way to avoid losers, though, and we, that's something we need to think about. Yeah, if you told me the top five league. favorites have no chance of winning it, I'm interested in that market all of a sudden. Yeah, it's, it certainly opens things up. Yeah. Uh, speaking of opening things up, Victor Wimbanyama, who two weeks ago, minus 250 to win the NBA Rookie of the Year, we all said – those odds are crazy. That that's there's there's no uh, there's no value on that. It's a really deep rookie of the year class, uh, including Chet Holmgren, who both of you two recommended. Mm-hmm. It, 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 you know, I think it was what plus two two fifty plus six fifty. Yeah. yeah, plus six fifty. Listen now, two games, two games. Wimbenyama played in the summer league. He went from minus two fifty to minus one fifty. <laughs> it suddenly feels like there's value. Yeah, you can even get them cheaper, minus 140 at FanDuel right now. I, I mean, what's what's changed? What's changed? <laughs> not much. Not much. Uh, whoever said that was a very smart person because not much <laughs> has changed. Uh, it was a bad game. Yeah, two for 13. And I think more than a bad game, it was marquee game. It was everyone was waiting for that Friday night. No one's ever seen him in NBA uniform. No one's ever seen him in American soil, though you could have in Vegas last fall. But everyone missed that game. And he underperformed. And Scoot Henderson, just the opposite. Big spotlight. He only played 10 minutes, but he looked like a rookie of the year type player. Same thing with Chet Holmgren. Just because he has the floor or the ceiling, rather, to be an all-time great doesn't mean he's better than Chet Holmgren right now. Doesn't mean he's better than Scoot Henderson at affecting basketball games right now. So that's why it's reduced. Maybe it's reduced a little bit too much because he's still going to average four blocks a game. No one else is in this field. So I would actually, at this point, I liked Henderson and Holmgren when it, when it was a little bit higher odds. At this point, I would look at Wimbenyama as the most value on the board. I, it makes sense to me. I, again, like if, if you're talking about we didn't think there was value then, 
there's certainly value now because I don't think he's done anything to make it say, like, well, this guy can't play in the NBA. Uh, he's about what we expected him to be. Not at all. I mean, he, he had a dime in the about first three minutes of that Hornets game. That was, I've just never seen a seven-foot guy attempt that, let alone execute it, let alone in the first couple minutes of his first NBA game. So uh, I, he didn't beat my expectations, but I haven't lowered my expectations for Victor Wembanyama at all. Good stuff, Mac. Hey, make sure you guys are going over to pregame.com. Sign up today. Get your free $25 new member discount. And we got some incredible offers for you at pregame.com, including the Beat Sleepy J MLB contest. Now, what is that? Well, Sleepy last season in the second half of the year earned over 25 units in Major League Baseball. So this Beat Sleepy J contest, is for the second half of the season. The contestant that wins the most MLB units from now through the World Series will win $250 cash. And if that winner earns more units than what Sleepy J did last year, you get a bonus $250. That's $500 cash, and it's free to enter. How? By becoming a member at pregame.com and then clicking on contests and clicking on Beat Sleepy J. So not only do you sign up for pregame.com and get your free $25, now you can enter in this Major League Baseball contest for free and win $500. Oh, and it gets better because, because we love you guys, the listeners of this podcast. We're giving you a coupon code. You can save 20% off anything you'd like at pregame.com using our promo code BREAK20. Break 20 because it's the all-star break. Break 20 is going to get you 20% off at pregame.com. For AJ Hoffman, McKenzie Rivers, and Steve Fezix, I'm Scott Sadenberg. We are straight out of Vegas. AM.